Hello and welcome to The Stuck Out. The Stuck Out is one of many shows here at Freight Waves and is the only one that we hit on uh, every week, uh, consumer packaged goods, CPGs, uh, which is really the focus. We try to look at the freight industry on this show uh, you know, from the perspective of the CPG company. So we know at Freight Waves, have a lot of people at the company who are former um, freight brokers, uh, for a lot of people from the carrier side of things, but we also want to look at it uh, from the shippers side of things and uh, with this show specifically from the CPG uh, shippers. Uh, so to that end, um, we're talking about um, General Mills uh, results, which, you know, what's interesting about General Mills is they report about a month before the rest of most other companies report because their quarter ends um, at the end of February, most uh, end at the end of March. So I'll talk about the implications um, of, of what we should expect for uh, the first quarter earnings reports in light of uh, what General Mills uh, discussed last week. Um, I'll also talk about a lot of the uh, topics of the hour in the world of freight, which include this shutdown in Shanghai, which um, you know nothing can be almost more disruptive than shutting down the biggest Chinese uh, port. Um, and I'll also talk about uh, the emerging thesis at Freight Waves that a major slowdown in trucking um, is is coming uh, both on the on the demand side and also increased supply. So, uh, freight waves we've been talking about, um, you know, the a slowdown in the in the trucking market that could be similar to 2019, where there's an oversupply of capacity in the in the trucking market. I'll talk through, um, you know, what uh, that means for. Um, the CPG companies, and, and, and there's a you know copy of this article. So if, if you haven't read this article, uh, we'll go to FreightWaves.com and uh, take a look at it. This is one that our CEO, Craig Fuller, wrote uh, late last week. I uh, said, so, you know, just after three years, after 2019's trucking bloodbath, another one is on the way. And, um, you know, make some very good points there. You know, we're already seeing in the data, a, a, you know, a big drop in a demand for, uh, you know, trucking attenders, uh, which which is you know we what is as, as our measure for de- demand, which is you know basically the the requests to move a load you know, in the marketplace that are electronically tendered. We've seen a big drop in that, uh, about a nine point five percent since March third, uh, just in the demands for you know truckloads uh, to, to to move loads. So seeing that evidence of of a drop in demand, you know, which is very much corroborated by. Our contacts, um, when we go out and talk to you know brokers and, and and carriers, that they've seen a big drop in demand, which you know makes perfect sense in light of inflation being at a forty-year high. I think most you know people have to cut back somewhere. You know we're seeing them cut back on a lot of these discretionary purchases. Um, a little later, I'll, I'll talk about what that means for you know CPG companies, but we have seen uh, you know tender. Rejection rates also um, at their lowest level since June 2020. So we've seen, you know, less, you know, demand, and you know, because of the less demand, carriers are more accepting of the of the of that demand that's out there. Fewer loads are falling through to the spot market, um, and you know, some of the other points that go into that uh, thesis, uh, that, that bear thesis, that at least bear thesis from the perspective of the trucking companies, um, you know, go into the, the inventories are elevated. A lot of uh, companies. CPG companies, retailers have done a lot in terms of rebuilding their inventories to levels where there's not going to be stockouts. So, you know, we saw this with CPG companies, you know, when they've had to, to employ a lot more contract manufacturing. So they've had to manufacture more consumer goods in more places because um, they haven't had the capacity to do it in-house. You know, that's led to more um, inventory 
in more locations, you know, adds complexity to the supply chain, but just with the, that higher level of inventory, um, you know, a lot of transportation go- and demand goes into just replenishing, you know, those, those inventory levels. So even though um, sort of the inventory to, sale, inventory to sales ratio still at a reasonable level, inventory is on the absolute level is, is high, um, which could really be the rel- relevant thing as consumers cut back on spending in response to high energy prices, high food, high food prices, those essential things that consumers have to buy um, really crowds out the purchases for discretionary items. Um, also on the supply side of, of, of trucking, uh, there's been a tremendous number of new trucking entrants that have come into the marketplace, um, you know, in, in various other uh, articles we've, we've shown, shown our uh, charts on that where, you know, it's really been unprecedented the number of new trucking companies coming into the market. We think a lot of those are owner operators that have decided to, uh, you know, strike out for, uh, on their own for the first time. You know, found found some some capital and you know purchased a used truck, even though the used truck prices um, were at a, a very high level and are now in business for themselves. A lot of those smaller trucking companies, um, you know, really haven't been through a downturn and are maybe um, a little bit late to the party where the the, the uh, market has been strong. For a period of time and, and and may not continue so uh you know weaker truck market expected uh you know going forward what does this mean for cpgs and i think um sort of the, the short answer is it's uh, should be a positive uh for, for for cpgs and uh you know the reason for that is um just that they will have um you know, have an easier time finding you know trucking capacity so you know most shippers cpgs included um, suffered through uh, you know about a year and a half, close to two years of tight you know trucking capacity. Really, ever since the initial lockdowns in 2020, where you saw people rush out to to fill their freezers, fill their refrigerators with you know consumer goods. Um, you know, truck trucking capacity was in a short supply. You know, ever ever since then. So in the last year, most shippers have had contract rate increases uh, into the double digits. We've seen that in intermodal also. We've seen a big surge in uh, the spot rates to move um, to move goods. Um, you know, we think we're, that those are those are coming back. I mean, we're already already seeing evidence of spot rates, you know, coming down, you know, 10, 15, 20 percent, you know, in, in, in certain lanes in the last, you know, one to two months. Um, I talked about the tender rejections and, and, and tender volumes, those coming down. And in a loose, uh, you know, freight market, um, I think this is really the time for CPGs to be more aggressive in negotiations for carriers. So not only are our shippers in general going to have an easier time finding transportation capacity, but CPGs become uh, the preferred uh, shipper uh, from the perspective of carriers when in, in a looser freight market. And you know, really, the reason is uh, CPG um, products are less cyclical than most uh, most products. I mean, when I was a stock analyst and I wanted to be maybe a little bit more bullish than than, than others on the trucking market or intermodal carriers or, or or what have you, I would I would you know talk about CPGs and I would say, well, you know, the average um, you know, person who's buying uh, packaged food, buying personal care products, is going to buy those products whether you know GDP is growing one percent or growing four percent. And those really aren't the products that people cut back on. I don't think when when um, you have periods of high inflation, I think you know people have, have you know gotten accustomed to you know buying a certain um, you know certain packaged food items. And the easiest thing to cut back on would be something like you know electronic device. You can you know buy a lot of food for cutting back on a four hundred dollar uh, you know piece of electronic equipment that you know your current headphones are probably you know good enough. So that's where I think um, you'll see consumers pull back more. 
that's not to say there is not elasticity in CPG items. Um, there is, but uh, I think you can take some solace in the fact that most CPG companies have at least not seen elasticity levels that are higher than what they've seen historically. Just heard from General Mills last week. They said that um, elasticity for their products in line with historical levels, not any, not any worse. So I think that's you know, that's a positive, um, you know, have a chart on the uh, cost of products uh, sold, a breakdown for, um, you know, most CPG companies. And, um, you know, in terms of, you know, sort of putting, you know, t- together lower freight costs and what lower freight costs mean in the context of, you know, CPG's total cost structure, um, you know, the cost of products sold, um, you know, the freight cost is only about 8% of uh, a CPG companies, um, you know, total cost of products sold. And so this is a chart that, um, I took from a presentation that uh, the J.M. Smucker company, uh, you know, published, and you know they gave a better breakdown than you know was typically the case because they've seen so many of their costs inflate. And you see, you know, a typical CPG company ingredients are close to fifty percent of their cost of products sold. We know those have been highly inflationary, and even more so since uh, this um, Ukraine situation with higher grain prices higher fuel prices, a lot of those go, will go into the ingredients. That freight at the, at the top of the uh, you know, pie chart there, 8%. So that's that's where, you know, if, if we really do have oversupply of trucking capacity, capacity that's where CPG companies are going to see relief on that sort of 8%, maybe it's 10% of their total cost of products sold. But then you look around at, at the rest of their cost structure, labor and overhead, 18%. Okay, well, that's still tight. Contract manufacturing, 17 percent um you know that the contract manufacturing has gotten much more expensive um you know that might be one thing that cpg companies can cut back on if they were to um you know see uh, you know lower volume as, as a result of the higher prices bring more of that in-house i think you know that's a trend that's that's that we're seeing but you know at the time for the time being at current volume levels you know that's very inflationary um packaging has been extremely inflationary uh, particularly the, the petroleum-based you know packaging type products so it's, this is all to say that um, as far as CPG companies are concerned, they're not out of the woods in terms of inflation, still seeing inflation on the you know, bulk of their um, you know, cost of products sold. And uh, even if freight uh, costs come down a little bit, they're still going to have to work through um, you know, higher costs for the vast majority of their, of, of their costs, um, you know, which, which, are still, um, you know, which are still inflating. Um, which really brings me to the next uh, topic, which is uh, you know what to expect from uh, consumer packaged goods. You know, first quarter results. Um, you know, uh, March is about to end, which means in a couple weeks, let's say two to three weeks, uh, most of the most of the CPG companies are going to start to report earnings. And I think that General Mills, you know, results. Um, you know, last week uh, gives a preview into what to expect. Here we see you know General Mills. Um, cereal plant in Cincinnati. Um, and so General Mills reported last week, and I think uh, really a lot of takeaways for some of these other companies, you know, they, um, you know, their, their shares were actually up at, at the, you know, when they initially reported, they were, um, you know, the best performing shares in the S&P, you know, during that morning. Um, and I think they, they end up closing up 2.5 and, and one of the days when the stock market was down, you know, sharply, but, but really, so the positive variance there was, uh, the company was able to get more products on shelves than was was anticipated. The CPG companies, um, you know, do at least the publicly traded ones. A lot of them do the the Consumer Analyst Group of New York conference. 
uh, every February, um, where they talk about their prospects for the upcoming year, um, you know, to Wall Street. And General Mills had uh, um, provided some, you know, cautious commentary on getting certain products onto shelves, things like dough, pizza, hot snacks. You know, typically about ninety-five percent of the products that are supposed to be on shelves are on shelves. At the time, for those product categories, about 75%. They've since gotten that to 85%, and that, that variance was enough to you know, have a positive variance for the quarter you know, relative to the street, um, and, and that was really a positive variance in the, in, in the quarter, getting that at least closer to their other product categories, closer to um, historical levels. Um, but uh, you know, those were more company-specific things for General Mills, got more products on the shelves, was really a result of redoubling their efforts to source the ingredients, get the ingredients to the manufacturers. And, um, you know, that, you know, bigger push, you know, was able to get you know, more products, more products on shelves. But there were a lot of takeaways, I think, for other CPG companies and gives us some, some idea of what to expect, um, you know, going forward. As far as input costs versus pricing, um, you know, General Mills had a contraction, a margin contraction of 160 basis points. Uh, in, in their gross margin, so their inflation is running in that eight to nine percent range, and on average, prices increased about seven percent, which really sa- says to me that the company is going to increase prices further um, when they move down further in the year, which which isn't expected. But it, it also shows it's the type of inflation that is uh, you know happening for these very typical you know consumer goods, things like boxes of cereal. Um, you know, things you stock your your refrigerator and pantry with up in that seven percent range. I think it's headed to more like eight, nine, ten percent. Um, you know, when we get to the to the end of the year. Um, also, I think twenty twenty two was supposed to be a year where most CPG companies saw recovery in their margins. You know, last year most saw a pretty significant contraction. That one hundred and sixty basis points that General Mills had for that last quarter. That's actually a lot less than what we've seen from some CPG companies, which was several hundred basis points. The idea to get this back in twenty twenty two, I think, what, uh, is going to be pushed back because this uh, situation in Ukraine has, has created a surge in prices for petroleum and for agriculture. And so I think a lot of the companies who had previously given guidance to the street to say, okay, expect our 2022 margins to um, fully recover what we lost in 2021, I think that gets pushed back um, you know, a, a year or, or longer. Um, you know, and I think a lot of companies will walk back some of that initial guidance, at least on their margins, um, you know, later in the year, um, you know, on the positive side, uh, you know, General Mills not seeing a lot of um, uh, elasticity from consumers. They say it's pretty benign. Um, also, seeing a lots of positive demand for pet food, and one of the trends that they're seeing is what, what they call the humanization of of pet food, where you're seeing more fresh pet products. Like we've seen that with strong performance in the shares of a company called Fresh Pet. Um, which has really had a tremendous uh, stock market appreciation uh, last uh, few years. Um, so like for General Mills, um, pet food grew 13% in the, in, the, in the quarter versus 7% for the company overall's uh, volume. Um, so, you know, seeing a, seeing a strong, um, you know, impact there from, from people who, who adopted pets during the pandemic. Uh, General Mills is also pulling a lot of strings to keep costs in check. They're not uh, simply waiting for the market to, to give them help. Um, General Mills has hedged about 50% of its costs for fiscal 2023. So that would be the the, the quarter that I um, believe just uh, started. Um, the company is also looking to secure 
alternative sources uh, of um, for supplies and, and and boosting inventory levels on certain raw materials that they expect to be inflationary. We've seen that from uh, in, in comments from other. Um, you know, analysts at FreightWaves who have talked about how uh, companies have gotten more inventory in place ahead of you know rising interest rate environment. Um, you know, General Mills seems to be one of the companies that is doing that on the, on the inventory side. Uh, companies also changing packaging si- sizes to um, charge more per ounce, um, so sort of shrinkflation, if you will, and uh, reducing SGNA costs. And it's not just the SGNA costs that we're seeing with, um, you know, cuts to marketing budgets, which we've seen a CPG companies do a lot of that, uh, particularly during times when they have had difficulty stocking shelves, they've pulled way back on the marketing. Um, figured that that wasn't really a good use of of, of money, um, you know, if, if those products weren't going to be on shelves, you know, anyway, and just sort of would lead to, to cost, consumer uh, frustration. So, you know, cutting cutting back on that, but also cutting back on just a lot of administrative costs. Um, companies also spending capital to, to expand its manufacturing capacity um, that's in-house. And I think that's a trend that we're going to see from other CPGs as well. Um, you know, before the, the pandemic or when the pandemic hit, there, there were um, CPG purchases at an elevated level. They've continued at that elevated level sort of pre-pandemic. And for most uh, consumer goods, they're uh, still being sold at a higher at a higher rate than was true before um, before the pandemic, uh, you know, sort of going forward, it would expect that, um, you know, it, more of the companies are going to bring some of this in-house because the contract manufacturing rates have been so high. So most companies have not wanted to, at least initially, have not wanted to expand their capacity um, for, for manufacturing, you know, too much uh, initially um, because you don't really know where demand was going to shake out. Um, you know, I think going forward, they're going to rely a little bit more on uh, manufacturing their products uh, in-house. So I think that, you know those are some of the the um, you know trends that you know we should see from other CPG companies. But I think the the, the biggest thing is we're we're not going to see that margin improve uh, quite as quickly as some were expecting because of the the further rise to input costs you know that we've seen you know so far this year and and, and really in the last you know month and a half. Uh, the next topic here is a uh, Shanghai, you know, facing a two-stage uh, shutdown. Um, you know, talked about this um, this morning on, on FreightWaves Now, so I'm not going to you know reiterate everything. But basically, this has you know big implications for um, you know getting goods to market quickly. I mean, there is a lot of seasonal uh, you know merchandise. Um, you know, maybe not so much with CPGs, but with other. Um, you know, types of goods that are, you know, tend to be big and bulky, which is a lot of what moves in the spring, sort of these big products that, you know, have to be, have to move um, by, by the summer, you know, they want to be on shelves before Memorial Day, you know, some of those might not make it in time. Um, but and it also has the potential to be just one more factor that, um, you know, leads to, um, you know, more capacity in the trucking market and in the intermodal market, you know, you have to think about the fact that, um, about 60% of intermodal volume is driven by international trade, and about 70% of the imports that hit the West Coast go inland by rail. Now, at the moment, there's plenty of um, you know goods to move, and um, you know demand has been has been really strong. Um, have a chart on on this that shows the um, you know he, here we're comparing. Uh, the outbound tender volume index, which is basically a trucking uh, demand index in blue, and, and I, you know, I've talked about that earlier about how that you know declined about ten percent in March. Uh, we're comparing that to domestic 
truckload in orange and domestic you know, or domestic intermodal in in orange and you see intermodal has been basically flat in the, in in the month of march has held up much better than you know truckload and at least initially some of um you know some excess capacity as a result of let's say either um, you know, a slowdown in consumer spending, spending, or um, just further delays from congestion and shutdowns at the port of Shanghai. Uh, you know, could actually be a positive for rail intermodal and a positive for um, the situation at the ports, just because it could give them a little bit of a breather, give them a little bit of a chance to um, you know alleviate some of the congestion that they've seen. Um, you know, in the in the network. Um, you know, I think it's. You know, safe to say that the the ports are operating even less efficiently than they typically are, and uh, the you know rail terminals not operating as efficiently as they are. The the um, intermodal containers not being turned as quickly as they typically would be. Uh, most of the domestic intermodal companies try to turn containers about two times a month, and we saw um, you know JB Hunt in the last quarter turned it one point six five times a month. So. There, there is some efficiency to um, you know, be gained by at least initially having a little bit less demand. Um, but I do think eventually you'll see um, you know, those lines move together like they typically would. Well, you'll see you know, domestic truckload demand and domestic intermodal volume you know, move in the same you know, direction. I mean, those goods, those are the same goods that move on those con- uh, containers and move in those trailers. Really, the difference is th- those moving, um, you know, via intermodal, either they're in lanes that are very compatible with intermodal or even more importantly, that those are less time sensitive, less service sensitive than, you know, what is the case for those um, shipments that have to move a truck uh, via, via truckload, um, and, and I also think you'll see, um, you know, as a result of this, um, you know, uh, si- situation with all the shutdowns in, in, in Shanghai, uh, you know, a surge in uh, you know truckloads, um, you know, at, at, for you know for certain products coming out of LA, just because a lot of those products, you know, have to move, uh, you know, by a certain time, um, you know, all those all the summer merchandise, you know, has to move inland, and you know, you could see a pickup in volume out of LA, which is, has been one of the locations in the country that we've seen uh, a, an increase in available uh, capacity. So, you know, plenty more on the site on all of those um, uh, you know, topics, uh, you know, Port of Shanghai situation, the potential uh, uh, you know, bloodbath, as we called it, for the truckload uh, industry. Um, I'll be back uh, next week and have, you know, really the next two weeks on the Stockout uh, show have some good guests. Next week, I'm going to have Fred Hart. So Fred is a partner at Interact Brands, which is a branding and packaging company. And Fred works with CPG companies on their packaging. He's put together some really splashy you know, packaging. Um, and uh, Fred's going to talk about that. And we'll, we're going to get into uh, you know, a packaging discussion on, on, on CPG and, and, and what can be done. I think you know, packaging, as far as CPG companies is, is concern, are concerned um, is a, an interesting topic right now. I mean, it's one of the ways that CPG companies can take, um, you know, carbon, you know, out of their supply chain by having more efficient, uh, you know, packaging. We've also seen a big push to using more aluminum cans and fewer plastic bottles, particularly one-time use, you know, plastic bottles. Um, I read a research report the other day um, from a a, a conference where they introduced all these new you know, CPG items and exactly none of them were in single-use plastic bottles. They were almost all in cans or reusable 
uh, you know, packaging. And, um, you know, that's really where I think the industry is going. We'll see if Fred agrees with that. Um, and then the following week, um, we're going to have uh, someone from IRI, um, which is a company that does you know, research on the CPG industry in uh, collaboration with Boston Consulting Group, uh, talk about you know, trends in the CPG industry. So we're going to compare notes with what, what they're seeing with, with, with what I'm you know, seeing. Um, so that's going to be a very informed outlook for what's happening um, in the CPG space. So I would encourage you to uh, tune into both of those. Um, you know, we do this live every uh, Tuesday at 2 o'clock uh, Eastern, um, and I uh, would encourage anyone interested in CPGs and their supply chains to sign up for the Stockout newsletter, which can be find, found at www.freightwaves.com forward slash the Stockout. Um, feel free to reach out to me at mbowdendistal at freightwaves.com. You can also find me on uh, LinkedIn. Um, it should be easy, pretty easy to track down on the site or, or sign up for the Stockout newsletter, and then you'll have all my information and would also encourage you to Sign up for the many other um, you know, newsletters that we have on FreightWaves.com. I have one on a you know, brokerage called you know, Check Call, one on uh, enterprise uh, truckload carriers called Loaded and Rolling, which I just listened to last night was was very good on, on a lot of these same a lot of these same topics. Um, you know, but with that, um, uh, that's really what I wanted to go over today, and hope everyone has a good Tuesday.